0: You don't have to live in your doghouse. We're exploring the gift of joy. The gift of joy. My text is from Psalms 118. You'll know it well. Let me remind you of it. Psalm 118 verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's pray. Father, as we come around your precious word, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you might open the word of God to us. And by the promptings of your spirit, help us to open our hearts to the word of God. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, you and I were created for joy. You and I were created for joy. And if we miss joy, we miss the very reason for our existence. How sad it is, therefore, that many, many miss joy. Moreover, the reason Jesus Christ lived and died on the earth was to restore to us the joy we have lost. C.S. Lewis once remarked that joy is the chief business of heaven. And I will go a little further and add, of earth as well. Now, if joy is our human destiny, then it is also our human desire. Wouldn't you agree? Of course. If joy is our human destiny, then it is also our human desire. Let's be honest with each other. We all want a little enjoyment in our lives. Don't we? Now, if you're Sat here tonight, piously shaking your head and pretending that you're too serious to want joy in your life. May I invite you to come and sign a page in my Bible? A page in the back of my Bible, headed hypocrites. Let's come clean, my friends let's acknowledge that what keeps us going is the hope that one night the bells will ring and the hallelujah chorus will sound for us too. Amen? I dare say that anybody who pretends to want only to serve and never to enjoy is a miserable person. A miserable Christian. And there is no one on this earth more miserable than a miserable Christian. And probably a little nasty also. So, what is our problem? Well, brothers and sisters, the problem is we have such a ridiculously difficult time doing the very thing that we were created and redeemed for. Wouldn't you say? The 19th century Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard put it like this. Most of us spend our lives building mansions for ourselves. And when we finish, we choose to live in the doghouse. Ah, we laugh at that. But there's so much truth in it. We choose to live in the doghouse. I say that with some authority. Because if we are in Christ, it is the Father heart of God for you, His child, to live a joyful life. And so if we are not living that joyful life, it is because we have chosen not to. John Bunyan in his amazing book poses a sad figure. And we are like that sad figure at times. We lock ourselves in a cage in the center of a dark room. And then we complain that God has put us there. Of course he has not. Not. But that's our complaint. So in short, we decline the destiny of joy for which we were given this day. We decline the destiny of joy for which we were given the gift of life itself. Enough reason then to think hard about getting out of our private dog houses, out, that is, of our guilt, out, that is, of our fear, of our anger, of our resentment, out of the dog houses of our souls, into the joy of this day that the Lord has made. Allow me to very quickly ask, and I hope, answer three questions about joy. Questions that stick in my own mind when I wonder where my joy has flown to. Firstly, what is joy? Secondly, what gives me the right to joy? Thirdly, what prevents me from experiencing joy? So, what is joy? Well, allow me to begin my attempts to answer this rather tricky question by highlighting what joy is not. Friends, when I talk about joy, I am not talking about emotional thrills. I'm not talking about psychic indulgences. I'm not talking about fleshly feelings or carnal experiences. When I talk about joy, I'm not talking about mere laughter, mere merriment from world entertainment and world amusement. Whilst these things are not in themselves bad, they bring no lasting joy. The Apostle Paul observes in Romans 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When I talk about joy, I'm talking about the discovery of what I like to call The discovery of all rightness in the essence of life. A kind of inner conviction that all is well with my soul. Joy. When I talk about joy, I'm talking about the sweet assurance of the Lord's presence in my conscious self. I'm talking about the realization that Jesus loves me. That Jesus cares for me. That Jesus will be true to his word and he will never leave me, never forsake me. Joy. Therefore, in this respect, joy is a present reality. Joy is a constant companion. It is not so much a feeling, but a state of mind. Joy. In addition, joy is an intermission of gratitude that interrupts the routine activity of life. Our lives, let's admit for the most part, are activity and struggle. Most of us spend our time crawling or groping, climbing, sometimes running, but always moving like the works of a clock. But every now and then, joy comes to arrest the activity. Joy comes and it stops the tedious ticking of our life clocks with... A fresh realization that we are beneficiaries of the unmistakable grace of God. And it overwhelms us with joy. Therefore, in this respect, joy is a kind of new experience. I experienced joy last week. But this week, it's new. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a fresh realization. Last week's realization was precious. This week's is fresh. It's new. It's more precious. So, what is joy? Joy, as I see it, as I understand it, is a both and. It's a pleasant reality. And it's a new experience. And it is not of this world. My friends, there is nothing in the world comparable to joy. Joy is not the same as pleasure. For while we are glad for pleasure, we in Christ live for joy. Whilst we are glad for pleasure, we live for joy. Secondly, what right do we have? Do I have to joy? Joy is only enjoyed by those who have the Holy Spirit. When I was in the boys' brigade, it was good to hear Tony this morning talk about the boys brigade i was in the boys brigade for many years i loved it we sang a song if you want joy real joy wonderful joy let jesus come into your heart his sins your sins he'll take away your night he'll turn to day your life he'll make over anew and then come in to stay if you want joy real joy wonderful joy let jesus come into your heart You see, joy is enjoyed only by those who have the Holy Spirit. Joy is the Christian's inheritance. Joy is the Christian's new birthright, if you like. Strangely, however, there are many Christians who doubt the right to be joyful. Oh yeah. There are many Christians who doubt the right to be joyful. But the psalmist declares this is the day. Taken literally, the Psalmist is speaking about the day meaning today. That square on your calendar that marks out another block of time on earth. Today, not tomorrow, he says. Today, not yesterday, he says. Today, the 11th of June, 2017. This, today, is the day that the Lord has made. And therefore, he says, rejoice. Rejoice? Rejoice when? Today! Rejoice! Rejoice! Today, God has made it. God has set you in it. And God has given you the undeniable birthright to it. Joy! Taken prophetically, if you're that way inclined. When the the psalmist speaks of the day, he had in his mind... Something bigger, something deeper than a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday. Something more fundamental than the 11th of June 2017. Rather, he was looking towards Salvation Day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and every new possibility for every day that flows from Salvation Day. This day, then, is the life that the Lord made possible by dying and rising from death to become the victorious Lord of every day. We are talking here of the dawn. Not of a calendar day, but of a new day. A new age. A new creation. The dawn of a new hope that is birthed within the child of God. This is the day. When salvation comes to a contrite soul. The gift of hope is the gift of joy. My friends, it is your right. Because God made the day through raising the Lord Jesus Christ from the tomb. And making Him Lord of your day. Taken hermeneutically, if you're that way inclined. Some of us have the twitch. When the psalmist says that God made the day, he is talking about more than a time frame, more than a square on the calendar, more than a hitch in life's routine. He's talking about one's very being. One's life. Within this day is the day God made. In other words, when you go home tonight... Look in the mirror. I know it's painful for some of us. Nevertheless, try. Look in the mirror. Point to yourself and say... I am the one God has made today. And you are. And therefore, rejoice. Wow. Now you say, there are over 7 billion people on the planet... Indeed, there are. Nevertheless, go home tonight, look in the mirror, point at yourself and say, I am the one that God has made today. Rejoice and be glad in it. In what? Be glad in the life that God has given you. For that life is God's gift. Hallelujah. This is the day. Be glad. Friends, when you know in your heart that you are God's special gift to you, you know you have the trust deed to joy in your hand. But there is a terrible problem concerning our right to joy. Joy, my friends, may be our right, but is joy appropriate In the face of suffering. For example. Is it fitting for Christians. To be rejoicing. While children are starving. Is it decent. For me to want joy. While many suffer. The terrible effects of terrorism. And war. Is it obscene to wish for joy in a world filled with so much pain? Well, it is my conviction that if our joy is honest joy, it somehow is congruous with human tragedy. I believe This is the test of joy's integrity. Is it compatible with pain? Or is joy the cheap charade of a superficial society of lotus eaters? Lewis Smedes suggests, I quote, Only the heart that hurts has a right to joy. That sounds somewhat paradoxical, doesn't it? Only the heart that hurts has a right to joy. Paradoxical, from a human perspective, it might be, but spiritually, don't you find that reassuring? Because I'm looking down at a congregation of hurting people, for the most part, let's be honest. I'm looking down at a bunch of broken hearts. I'm looking down at a a group of people who are broken hearted at times and despairing at times and, and just finding it difficult at times, incomprehensible at times. But only the heart that hurts has a right to joy. He goes on, only the person who cries for the needless death of children has the right to bless God for the gift of life. The inference here is That we truly celebrate the gift of our existence only when we also cry out in pain for people whose existence is the constant humiliation of human injustice. We can shake our tambourines. We can sing our songs, our happy songs. We can echo our faithful prayers. But it is all only self-indulgent gibberish. Unless our joy is tempered by the miseries of God's people around the world. That is honest joy. This is why we must remember that joy is not the same as pleasure. For whilst we are glad for pleasure... We live for joy, and joy is possible even when pleasure turns to pain. Nonsense, you say? Not at all. Joy is possible even when pleasure turns to pain. Why? Because joy does not depend upon pleasure, circumstance. Joy depends on Jesus. And in the midst of pain, my friends, we are assured His presence. For He has promised us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, in the midst of pain, rejoice. Rejoice. In the midst of pain. Rejoice. What prevents us. From having joy. Well. As I understand it. And I'm probably oversimplifying it. But as I understand it. There are two main joy killers. The first joy killer. When the wrong person. Is on the throne of our lives. The no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> when the rightful king is reigning, reigning, really reigning, there is joy. In, second, in 1 Chronicles 12, 38-40, we read there that there was great joy when Israel enthroned God's anointed king. Remember Saul, we heard about him this morning. He had been rejected as king. And it was written of Saul, Oh, how the mighty has fallen. The hard taskmaster as he was, was dead. Now David was exalted to his rightful place as king. And all Israel, rejoice! Hallelujah. And my friends, when Jesus is reigning as King in our hearts and in our lives, commanding and controlling the events of our hearts and lives, we will have great joy. But when Jesus is usurped from the throne, we are robbed of our joy. And it happens too frequently, doesn't it? Within the confines of Christendom. When self or this old world or Satan is ruling our lives as Christians, we are robbed of our joy. In fact, we will be miserable, whether we're willing to admit it or not. But when Jesus is ruling and reigning in our lives we will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You ask me, describe to me your joy. I say to you, I cannot. <laughs> because it is in the words of Peter, 1 Peter 1, 1.8, it is unspeakable. It is undescribable, Full of glory. Oftentimes my mind goes back to my home church. What a wonderful thing it was to grow up as a young Christian in Trinity Evangelical Church in Rainhill near Liverpool. And we had two elders for many years, Bob Leeson and Fred Mather. I often speak about them. I don't apologize for it. They were old men, but boy, did they have an impact upon this young man. And Fred Mather, bless his heart, he was an old fuddy in so many ways. But goodness me, in spite of severity and difficulty in his life, in spite of a racked body that was full of arthritic pain, whenever you saw Fred Mather, he beamed the glorious joy of Jesus. I found it inexplicable as it happens. I often remember the time I was in a prayer meeting, an OMS International prayer meeting at the headquarters in Didsbury in Manchester. And there, at that prayer meeting, was Stanley Banks. I often speak about him, I don't apologise for it. He had such an impression upon my life. An old man, at that time at least. Former principal of Emanuel Barber College, former executive director of OMS International. He was at that prayer meeting. And I remember sat there at the prayer meeting, looking up because <laughs> I was being a naughty boy, glancing round at folk as they prayed, and I glanced at Stanley Banks as he prayed, and the joy, the beam from his face. I was overwhelmed by it. seven days later, he was in glory <laughs> he was in glory. My friends, if Jesus is on the throne of your life, then you know his joy. But if that joy is lacking, if it's missing, you can't quite place it, you can't quite remember where where and when it slipped away, the likelihood is you have usurped King Jesus. Maybe inadvertently. Maybe out of neglect. But you've usurped King Jesus. Someone, something else is on the throne of your life. And the joy seems like a distant memory. And instead of King Jesus and his joy, you develop other things. Like critical spirit. You know. Always oh, seen the body of people rather than the good. Not really attracted anymore to the place of private and corporate prayer. Well, why would you be? You've lost the joy. Bible study, it's more of a chore these days than a real pleasure. My friends, is King Jesus on your throne? There's a song we sing, isn't there? Jesus, we enthrone you. We proclaim you our King. Really? Honestly? The first joy killer when the wrong person's on the throne. And very quickly, the second joy killer, it's kind of interrelated. When our fellowship is broken. Friends, if we remain in the vine, to use that Old Testament motif adopted by the Apostle John in his Gospel, if, as Christians, we remain in the vine, in Christ, then our joy is complete. Sometimes, however, our fellowship with the Lord is broken, and He is not present in our lives as He was in times past. Many things might cause this unbroken fellowship, unconfessed sin, and a sense of guilt. Broken fellowship. Suffering and confusion that you find irreconcilable and you take your eyes off Jesus. Broken fellowship. The criticism of some, maybe perhaps more especially of Christians who really ought to know better, and it hurts. Broken fellowship. Feel like you're swimming against the spiritual tide, never really knowing the blessing, never really knowing His fullness, and you get somewhat aggressive towards Him and shake the fist. Broken fellowship. Jesus said, if I remain in you and you remain in me, then that joy remains. Of course it does. But when the fellowship is broken, the psalmist knew what it was to have that fellowship broken. (laughs) He knew. And he cried out, didn't he? Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Oh, I can feel his heart, can't you? Because I've been there. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51 verse 12. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and spoke to us of many things. When he was about to leave planet earth at that time, he said in John 15 verse 11, I have told you these things, these many things, why? So that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? You're not convinced. I have told you these things so that my joy might be in you. I have to tell you tonight, my brother and sister, Jesus' joy is in you. He loves the socks of you. He looks down from glory. The ones for whom He shed His precious life's blood. And His joy is in you. His joy is in you. And your joy might be complete. Is that how it is with us tonight? Is our joy both a present reality And that nice surprise from time to time as the Holy Spirit shines His light on our hearts and a wonderful truth just floods our lives with glory. Is that us? Or are we miserable Christians? If you want joy real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. That's not merely evangelical. It's not merely evangelical, though it is. It's for the child of God. Let Jesus come. Now you sit there smugly and say, it's okay, I've already done that. Right, okay. I'm glancing around at the joy as it overflows and bubbles over. And I'm um, drawing a conclusion or two. Let Jesus come. Let Jesus come. Ah, you're wracked with pain, you say. I acknowledge that. Let Jesus come. Ah, but my life hasn't panned out the way I anticipated. I I understand Let Jesus come. Ah, but I'm so frustrated because of other Christians. I understand that frustration, brothers and sisters. I've been there. Let Jesus come. Let him come. Let him come. Open your heart wide to Him by His Holy Spirit. He will come and He will flood your life with joy. That's the wonder of grace. You don't have to live in your doghouse. So why are you still there? Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word. Forgive us oftentimes we wallow in our own self-pity. We cage ourselves up in our personal dog houses. And we even throw the fist towards heaven and blame you. Father, we are sorry. Sorry, Lord. Jesus, in spite of everything, we cry with the psalmist, Restore unto me the joy of your son.